find a guy who got literally if my sister brought him home I'd be terrified <laughs> but he- but- It is great to be back. It is full house today, and uh, we have a couple of returning guests. I'm going to go first to Alex, because uh, we got to spend a entire night drinking in Chicago when we were there a couple of weeks ago. So uh, as we mentioned that night, he is an honorary member of the show. Uh, how wow. are you doing, Alex? I get to be an honorary member now? Absolutely. When we tried to get a Jameson off a couple of different people for Noel, and it just didn't work out, you have to be part of it. Wow, I I am honored. It was fun. Yeah, what did we hit? Four bars yeah, in one night. Like it was a, it was a good old time. Uh, it's great to be back. Although I gotta say, you guys gotta update that intro video. We got Eddie Jackson. We're in thirty nine. We have fifty eight still in there. I well, mean, well, Alex, leave history. the memories alone. To be, to be fair, Alex, they need to they need to start uh, making more plays on defense for us to change some stuff up there. So. yes that's the truth but yes we will have to be updated probably more some of the offensive plays than defensive plays recently but look it is what it is um next josh i want to introduce you onto the show it's the first time we got to talk to you how are you doing it's been a interesting year you come onto the bears beat and suddenly we have an offense it's kind of crazy yeah, yeah, I'd like to take all the credit for that. It's uh, it's you. entirely me. No, I'm doing I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me. That intro that intro is awesome. I'm excited we uh, finally got to do this, and uh, it's been a it's been an interesting year. But it's I mean it's awesome to see Justin Fields ball, and it makes it makes our jobs a lot uh, a lot more fun. Yeah, absolutely. And Ken, it's been a while. Uh, how how are you doing? It's 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 always good to be able to have a couple of you guys on because it's always nice to get kind of the two shows together. But Ken, I think it's been a couple months since I've gotten the chance to talk to you. How are you doing, my friend? I'm well, man. How are you all doing? Yeah, all, all good, all good. And look, it's always good. Tell to Anthony, be able to... I said, "What's up?" Too. Tell Anthony, <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. still hurling abuse. Tell him I'm still <laughs> hurling abuse. <laughs> yeah, Anthony just wanted me to ask one question: What's up with not coming out to drink with us and Alex? <laughs> you asked. Okay, let's run this back. Now you've crossed the line. So. All right, now so you want to poke the bear? Now you can people scored. Yes. All right, so one, I get the driest. What's up? Then you hit me again with the same question. I didn't show up. How about that? Like, it, guilty. It didn't happen. And clearly, it wasn't just me. If Alex was the only person that showed, so why am I taking it? How many people did y'all invite? Let's run through this real quick. You want to play? Let's play. How many people did y'all invite? I'll take the fifth. Oh, yeah, okay. So like if, if, like if Alex was the only one that showed – so one, one of us from our podcast me. at least showed up. All right, so one of us was there out of all these other people. 
again, I didn't show up. I apologize, but you I... want me to come on here and do it. <laughs> I apologize again. Anthony, I apologize to you specifically because I like you now more than Syrian, clearly. That's all right. <laughs> Yo, I'm with it though. Like, I was a representative for the Under Center podcast, where were the other podcasts? Just remember this. Like, when you guys are listening, your favorite Bears podcast in the world, obviously, Iris Bears show. You got to rep yourselves. But then after that, I mean, come on, come on, dude. <laughs> also, we outnumber you. I'm just realizing, like, this is a full Under Center takeover. It's three to two Pretty right much. now, man. Pretty much. Super American, like, too. All the rest of them are big. <laughs> yeah, super American. We only have one Irish <laughs> dude on the Irish Bears show. So American. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> look, look let, let's get into what we came here to do, to talk some Bears football. And look, it's it's been a strange couple of weeks. Um, when we got to see the, the game in Chicago, unfortunately, we got to be there for the last like terrible game of, of the year. <laughs> and then suddenly, uh, Luke Getze got to change around this offense a little bit, and we're actually seeing them score. So that's where I want to start. And Alex, I'll, I'll come to you first. This offensive improvement that we've seen over the last five, six weeks now, what do you kind of put this down to? Is it just finally trying to build the offense based on the skill set of those pieces? Is it just a natural development? We always say that it's never linear with kind of quarterbacks and, and different positions. Sometimes development happens in different ways. And it just seems like something clicked after that kind of mini buy going into the Patriots game. And then from there, it's the confidence is just grown and grown because they're just able to, to score at will the teams in the last couple of weeks. Uh, well, I think it's honestly probably a blend of those things. You know, Luke gets, deserves a lot of credit for redesigning that offense for getting Justin Fields on the move, more moving the pocket, more doing more play action using his legs. Uh, but the bears were also pretty frank at the beginning of the season saying, Hey, we're installing a new offense. It's not going to happen overnight. It's probably going to take several weeks. So you're seeing that happen. And then you're also seeing the execution improve. You, you touched on that commander's game that you guys flew all the way to America to watch the, the bear score seven points. If the bears can execute in the red zone, it's a much different story, right? Justin Fields throws one ball off a dude's head. He overthrows Ryan Griffin on another easy touchdown, and then Darnell Mooney bobbles a third. You know, those are three plays. They go 0 for 3 because of really poor execution. So it, it's it's all of the above. It's little tweaks to the scheme that Getsy's done. It's everybody getting more confident in the offense both ways. Players getting more confident with coaches and scheme. Coaches getting more confident with players. And then the execution has just simply been better. Yeah, absolutely. Look, Ken, I guess – to a similar point, we've seen this kind of rise from, from Justin. I was listening to one of the recent episodes that you guys are giving your kind of mid-season kind of awards to different guys. And it feels weird when you go back to the start of the season, everyone would be hoping that if you guys were doing that show, that the answer to the first award was what you guys were able to give and that you would give Justin Fields the mid-season MVP for the Bears. And I guess it's just such a stark contrast to what we saw at the beginning of the season to where there was people that were questioning if he was going to be able to take that next step. Now we have guys in the national media that have been berating the Bears all the time now actually talking about like MVP, franchise quarterback, and a lot of Bears fans, we need to like hold their breath for a minute. But are you surprised about this kind of rise just over the last couple of weeks that Justin has been able to do? 
I'll, I'll be remiss if I didn't say yes, but I don't know if it's I'm surprised at the rise as much as I'm surprised at the consistency. Yeah. I thought perhaps he would have maybe a game and a half like this. I won't even say two entire games out of the four. A game and a half. Maybe he even had it where it was the second half or the first half where he actually excelled the way that he's been excelling. Um, a lot of the times on our shows, I think we've all kind of said, and I know I've had said it, that maybe there would be ebbs and flows to Justin's season. I didn't think it was going to be a straight rise. And that's not to say he may not have a bad game, but now he's banked enough extraordinary games to where a bad game wouldn't stand out as much as it would had he been kind of on a roller coaster ride to a certain degree. So that's kind of where it's shocking, you know, like this to be, be, especially when you look at the deficiencies. Like one of the things that we still, I mean, we all know because we talk about the offensive line, we talk about the receivers, but there's st- that's still the same situation in the same scenario. He's just taken off, taken off. And real quick, I, I got to ask you a question. Um, again, apologies for not making it out that night. Apologies, apologies, apologies. <laughs> You're good. I'm no, this is what I want to ask. I want to <laughs> ask you about that Washington game, right? When you, if, especially coming from across the pond, you come all the way to see your team that you love all the way in Chicago, right? And they lose to, they lose, and it's like, whoa, hold up. You know, like, especially to, we didn't think, you know, we knew that Washington's front for what they could do, but we didn't think they was going to be able to do it that game that well, right? But where Justin was that day, what did you think leaving Chicago of his performance? And how did it change for you seeing how well he's taken off ever since, basically? I don't think I was too disappointed overall with how he performed because you saw the offense move. But kind of like Alex said, it's once it hit into the red zone, they just weren't able to make enough plays and a couple of mistakes were happening there. But I think you saw signs of improvement where the offense was starting to move the football. Um it was disappointing that they weren't able to capitalize on some of the opportunities. And it, I think the one thing that, look, Adam, we spoke about this during the game, that they just weren't able to take the chances when they were right there for them. And I think that was the most disappointing thing. But when you compare it to what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, I think the worst signs in the weeks leading up to it, that there was a chance that this could happen. And all they needed to do was to be able to put this, thing together and if they could as we've said if they can get a little bit of consistency if they could finish off drives you're going to start to see them score points now it just seems like as they traded away defensive players they were like oh crap we need to start scoring points here otherwise we are in a whole lot of trouble and it's really nice to see and adam we spoke about this before we came on the show here it's when we ask for people's reaction to what we've seen from the Bears offense, people don't know what to think because we're not used to having a quarterback and like feeling confident that no matter what happens this year now towards the end of the season, that you know exactly who's going to be your quarterback for the future and kind of moving on over the next couple of years. And I don't think there's a lot of fans that really know how to deal with that right now. And it is very interesting so adam i want to i guess from what ken just asked what was your opinion of kind of justin fields from then to now 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't have to travel across the pond to go to the game. I just had to travel across <laughs> 290, but I still got there, and I wish I didn't. Um, but, you know, you, you kind of asked the question about how would you feel after that Commanders game, and one thing I think a lot of us on the show talked about was, you know, it, it's one thing to look at stats and be very disappointed, and if you're watching stats early in the season, you're having a miserable time. But you go back to the times where, you know, they asked Justin Fields, I think it was Jason Leisure saying, you know, why isn't the pass game working? And Fields says, well, who says it's not working? And then Getsy comes and says, you know, we're looking at something different. And, and they're kind of process over results early on. And now the results are there. And we don't know what the hell to do with ourselves because it's like, man, he looks like a quarterback. He's, you know, he's running for his life. I get that. That's going to happen with the line. But when push comes to shove, he's getting us down the field. He's scoring points. He's doing all those things that, you know, you make a nice pass, uh, you know, on fourth down and it gets dropped. You can live with that. You, you would love to see them catch the ball. But the quarterback made the right read. He made the good pass. He did all the right things leading up to it. And unfortunately, with his standard continually being raised week to week now, we're expecting everything around him to also be a little bit better. Unfortunately, that talent floor is still very low. So he can try to do all of Yeoman's work there. But the results might not be there. But what we can watch as fans is sitting here and looking like, man, now he is in the pocket and you're watching him make those reads the first, what, four or five weeks. Oh, he's a one read quarterback. That's all he can do. He's, you know, he's going to do this and then he's going to run. And now you're watching and you see on TV when they pop up the one, two, three, four, and there's him making his reads and then finding the open guy and all this little development week to week. When if you're looking at the th everything big picture, you started to see it, you know, second half Minnesota, some of those passes in that Washington game where they couldn't seal the deal, but he was making some good throws. They were they were making some right decisions. And unfortunately, when things kind of got out of his control, that's when it started to fall apart. That's where it sucks as a Bears fan. because It's like, man, this guy is doing everything we've ever wanted, and we just can't win a game. But unfortunately, that's just what this year was going to be, no matter, you know, unless he hits God mode, that's what this year was going to be. And he's still almost there. There are people who is it, Dan Orlovsky, saying this guy is, you know, putting himself in the MVP talk. Calm your role. But yeah, this guy is now in a position where it's not, oh, he's the worst quarterback in football. They're going to, Bears are going to need to draft a quarterback. Now we have people, including national media, who are crapping on him all offseason, who are legitimately excited because of the little things he's doing. And he's not even at full capacity yet. Yeah. And Josh, I, I kind of want to bring in the, one of the things that you wrote about um, this week and how obviously the next step is that the Bears need to kind of learn how to win. And we always we always see this towards the and it kind of links in with what I was saying to Adam there that Bears fans are used to when you're losing these games and they think about draft picks that it's like tanking. But it, right. I find it's it's completely different this time. When you have a quarterback, you don't need to tank. If you lose, right. you're like, okay, well, it helps the draft pick, it's it's okay. But when you have a young team, a new head coach you kind of want them winning games even if it does affect the draft because realistically there's not going to be a massive difference if you're picking sixth to if you're picking ninth for example but yeah. there is an important development stage of for young players who learn how to win so i wanted to kind of ask you your opinion on that and do you think that's the next level we need to see from this football team yeah, no, I, I think that's that's 100 right. And you know what I wrote about was not that draft picks are unimportant or that the Bears should hope to go on the seven zero run and get the seven seed because like the talent floor is there. They're going to lose games. But my point was yeah. like when they get these chances against the Lions or the Dolphins, like you should want them. You should want Justin Fields to go down the field, go seventy five yards and score because that's good for his development long term. That's good for Matt Eberflus. That's good for Luke Getzey. That's good for the few players that are still going to be here to 
learn to win. And then when this team's ready to compete, they can fall back on that. Cause if you just keep failing and failing and failing, eventually it's going to be like, man, are we, are we really doing the right thing? Like things keep going wrong. Um, and I, I like what you said about like the bears are probably going to have, you know, at worst the nine pick and there's going to be three to four quarterbacks. Maybe they go in front of them and they don't need one. So someone's going to fault them, right? Like they're not going to be sitting there at seven and like, Oh man, we missed out on everyone. I mean, this team has so many roster deficiencies. They're going to get a blue chip talent. So I think, you know, just they, they do need to finish these game winning drives. They should hope to beat teams like the lions who I think Ken Iron St. Page are just not, not very good. Um, you should not be cheering, uh, blowing a 14 point lead in the fourth quarter to the lions. That's not, that's not something you should be happy about. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Because look, Alex, it, it goes to that point where there's always this divide as we come to the end of the season, right? Where when you know, you're not making the playoffs, there's always some fans that just want their want to lose. And because they focus solely on the draft pick, but I've always kind of, the only time I've ever asked or have wanted my team to lose towards the end is when you know it's over with a particular crop of talent and you know you need to get a quarterback and the mm-hmm. only option for you is to lose games to be able to do that but when you have a guy like justin fields in there you're seeing him develop at the rate he is it's it's that interesting kind of point where you still see that divide within the fan base where there's some people that are insanely pissed off when when they lose for me that's me for maybe the first 10 minutes of when we lose and then i'm like "Eh, it's fine it's it's no big deal but like then you see other people that when it's coming towards the end of like a meaningless game at at the very end you're winning um the people also get pissed off like you're ruining the draft pick like where where do you kind of come in this do you just do you kind of agree what we're just saying there that Really for Justin Fields, we've seen him do so much. We've seen him break all these records that the offense seems like every time they touch the ball, they're they're able to score, which is I can't believe I'm saying that as a Bears fan. Um but there's still this next step to where you want your quarterback to feel like what he's doing is working and it's helping you win football games. And right now, we heard from Justin at the, after the game against the Lions. He said he doesn't care about the stats. He doesn't care about the records. He wants to win. And we always talk about this idea of tanking, and it never happens within the locker room because players want to want to win. And do you think that's actually really important that they do start winning games this season, even if it is where you win two or three, but it, it kind of helps you moving forward because guys can go back to some of close games that maybe they'll have this season and know what they need to do when next year it's actually important when hopefully you spend a bunch of money in free agency you get one or two blue chippers in the draft and you feel like you're ready to at least compete in the division yeah exactly i i think you kind of hit it on the head there you know as the bears offense has progressed it does seem like the next step is take care of that two minute drive at the end of the game and and win a game They've had several opportunities now, and they haven't been able to to close the deal, right? Twice, twice now. Um, and then you can even go back to the Giants game and the Valus Jones muff, you know, ruining an opportunity. Or the Minnesota Vikings game where the Amir Smith-Marset fumble erases an opportunity. Those are the moments you want to you want to not see those. So, so they at least eliminated those, right? You don't have the Valus yeah. Jones muff. You don't have the Amir Smith-Marset fumble that erases the opportunity. But – but now the offense, you know, you, you want to see them 
complete that two minute drive to win a game with the defense. You know, they have the lead with less than half of the game or half of the fourth quarter remaining. Right. You want to see the defense step up and and make a stop. You know, they, they've been really good on these uh, second half adjustments. Now make the adjustment to, to close out the game for your team. And yes, I think that is really important for their overall development because winning is something I believe you can learn as you guys were kind of talking around. And then, you know, you don't want to build this culture of losing. You don't want to build this culture of, Oh, we always get so close, but man, we just can never find a way to, to close it out in the end. You want them to have the belief, Hey, we've done this before. Here's what we did in this past scenario. And we know how to do it again. Like we know this feeling. That's the feeling you want that feeling of winning. So yes, uh, you, you do for, for the development of the team overall, you want to see them. You want to see them start winning games because like you said, the draft picks, they're going to have a great draft pick regardless. They're, you know, in the first round and the second round and they need all sorts of talent. You know, it's not like if you miss out on one guy, Oh, it's over. They have holes at so many different positions. You can get the best man available wherever you're at. And that person is probably going to help your team a lot. You know, of course they got to make the right personnel decisions. They have to have their boards and grades and all that. Correct. But if, if they are doing a good job identifying personnel across a variety of positions, they're going to find somebody that can help them. Yeah. The one thing I like about as well, Justin kind of taking the next step is I think some fans have like, Wayne back on the whole you need to pick an offensive player wherever you are in the first round because we've seen how bad the defense is that yeah. it's probably likely it's going to be on that side of the football especially when you kind of evaluate the talent at the top of the draft this year so it's going to be interesting but look Ken I wanted to talk about moving forward with this offense there's kind of two big storylines that have come out well one is Khalil Herbert being injured for at least the next four weeks um so if you could speak a little bit about that and then i guess the second point is what do you want to see the bears do with chase claypool we've heard from him this week that it's not a big rush to get him involved into the offense but look it's something that you want to see this year before you move into to next year so we can kind of build up that chemistry for a few games with justin so that when you go into next year you can kind of fire on all cylinders and you're not kind of hoping that it works that you know what to expect from this guy so just about khalil and also chase claypool what you want to see i I will real quick though i I want to say this and this is just my opinion as far as the losing situation we've seen a lot of teams who i won't even say they tanked for a quarterback but they were just bad right and then after getting that key player they improved and i think sometimes there's a fear. And it's not to say that you don't know necessarily that you, you you must learn how to win. Like one of the things when Josh first joined us, I think most of us are huge Justin Herbert fans. And this isn't really a Justin Herbert thing is because that seems had a lot of injuries talking about the Chargers. But the thing that I said to him is I have to see Herbert kind of do what Josh Allen showed last year as far as winning. But like if you go back to the 49ers before they traded for Jimmy G, I think for the most part, and, and Josh was out there, we think Kyle Shanahan is a pretty good coach. They, now he may have some flaws, but would you believe that he's a pretty good coach? They were they sucked. They lost. And so the point that I'm really trying to make, it's it's imperative on Matt Eberflus to make sure 
that his culture is set regardless. So when they have enough talent to start winning, when it's no excuses for these losses, that that's when it's really like, yo, what the hell are you doing? So I just wanted to do, say that real quick. Yeah, absolutely. With the Khalil Herbert, it's terrible. I mean, when, just when you just look at what this team feasts on and it's running, right? And you know what? I have an affinity for both of these running backs and Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery, but it's those slash plays to, that Khalil Herbert gets along with those bruising plays where David Montgomery puts his hand on the ground and gets seven more yards after taking on contact that kind of set the, the mojo up for this team. Along, Of course, having a quarterback that can rip 60-something yards is just different, but the consistent plays that you get before the big gains are kind of the punch, the jabs that kind of keep you in the game. And when you take him out now, and being me and Josh used to go back at this when he first got here, I was a Tristan. I was a Tristan. Oh, here comes. Guy. Here comes. No, no, Tristan Ebner isn't. Tristan Ebner isn't ready. Like no. we haven't outside of the preseason, no. we haven't seen him hitting the holes properly. He's like he's he's not right now that guy that can fill the role of what Khalil Herbert can do. And I mean, even though Khalil Herbert isn't a good pass pass blocker, but we don't even know how Tristan. We would think Tristan Ebner is perhaps a sad tap at worst, but we haven't seen him enough for me to really say that that's how Tristan Ebner performs in pass pro. But still, that's good. going to be a hit. That's going Ebner, to be a Ebner hit. was a self-declared really good pass blocker, though. He claimed he it's never so, surrendered a sack also, at Baylor. Also self-declared my technique so is so really bad. He, <laughs> so he like, said it's not always cute. It's sometimes yeah. ugly, but I get the job done. <laughs> I want to see the first guy that's like, listen, I suck at pass blocking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep it but, real uh, with you guys for a second. I'm going to keep it a buck. I'm, I'm going to get the quarterback killed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look, Don't so, play me, coach. So, so <laughs> then now we're over reliant on David Montgomery. And what, and this is the thing, too. What if he gets nicked? Now you're really in a situation where Darrington, like, like the, the, the running game has benefited this, this team, along with, of course, Fields running also. It's been their bread and butter. So, yeah, I am concerned. Now to chase Claypool, I don't know what the hell they're doing. All right. And now I understand he doesn't know the verbiage. The, of Luke Getz's scheme, but you know routes. Now, again, there's there's the little parts in a route as far as where the, the quarterback likes to throw it to you and where you like to receive it. So I get that they don't have that type of jail, and they may not have that until next season, but you still need to keep trying to see because there's still questions to be answered as far as how key Chase Claypool is in that receiver room moving forward and how much you may need to go out and try to still insulate that room. Yeah. Yeah. So like that, you need to know that by the end of the season, if, if you have to use a top, the top three round draft pick, let alone they should anyway on, on getting us, getting somebody, if you have to trade to try to bring a mid level veteran in, that's just a glue kind of guy. Like, so you need to know, what in it you won't have a, a clear example, but you need to know what Chase Claypool and Justin Fields can do together. I you can't come out here and he's out there for just just 19 times. No, he needs to be out. Who else is on this team that's a receiver outside of Darnell Mooney? Like it's there's no well, question he needs to yeah, be out. Byron there. Pringle. They, really, they really like Byron Pringle. I know, I know. That like that was the other kind of wild one, Adam, that we've seen some of the I guess one of the mistakes that we've seen obviously is Velas has not been he's been a healthy scratch two weeks in a row you see so that's a third round draft pick 
You had Nikhil Harry be kind of a healthy scratch last week. You traded a seventh rounder for him. Did they need to find some sort of role for a guy like Velas that you spent a third round pick? And look, it's a sunk cost at this point in time, right? You've already spent the pick on him, but you need to find a a way to get him involved at some point to get some sort of utility out of him. Just don't put him back there for punts. Do do something <laughs> do something else to where he can be involved here. Um I guess to go to go with that, but also what Ken was saying for Chase Claypool, it, it is important that at some point this year, look, we still have seven games left, that we see what he can be within this offense. Because you do need to know, well, do we need to get another kind of productive or high-level wide receiver with Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool? Or if suddenly the last four or five games you're seeing Mooney and Claypool ball out, well, maybe it's not kind of a position of complete high priority and you can get like a depth piece that can help out those guys as well. What do you want to see on both those ends for both Valus Jones Jr. but also with Claypool? Because it is important we figure something out here at the wide receiver position. I mean, at the rate we're going, we might have Valus playing running back with, uh, you know, true, Montgomery true. missing <laughs> practice today. And, you know, it, it's it's interesting because we finally got our speed guy over the top, beautiful ball, drops the ball, and then he's scratched. And a lot of people are saying, you know, I could see it as one week, but he's got to get back out there, especially now. You know, he he might not excel as that outside guy, but if there's a time where he's going to succeed in any way in this offense, it's probably going to be where he's that, you know, the focus isn't on him. You've now got Claypool and Mooney and potentially Pringle if he can stay on the field, you know, try utilizing him in space, try utilizing him closer to the quarterback so he doesn't have to make the, catch those deep balls, but you're not going to know what you have from him if he's a scratch every week. And at this point, you need to know what you've got in him so you know next year if you need to address that speed guy, the, you know, whatever he is or isn't, but you don't know when he's scratched. And the same thing goes, you know, I was surprised that Nikhil Harry was scratched. I kind of get, you know, St. Brown's been good, but that's another guy where, He's done some things in this offense, and I get they said some things about his practice habits as well. And uh, whichever coach said the same thing about um, Bayless Jones, where, you know, we'd like to see him practice better. And and I get that. But also, how many times have we heard about great practices? And it doesn't mean anything once they get onto the field. So if you want to see what this third rounder's got, you've got to start putting him out there. Um, you know, he, he doesn't have to be a focal point, but even on the fake handoffs uh, on Justin Fields runs when he was in, he was a good diversion because you have to account for him, whether he's getting it or not. They might not treat him as a weapon, but you have to know where he is at all times. And just that little split second can make a big difference, especially when you've got a guy like Justin Fields. So I'd be surprised if they don't utilize him at some point. Use, just use him in a simple way. It doesn't have to be over the top, but you're, you're never going to know if you don't use him. And, and that kind of going with Claypool, it's the same thing. I understand it takes time, and Fields came out and defended him today, said we're taking extra reps, we're practicing. It, it's a complicated system, and to that point, you know, it was a complicated system the first week when he ran a buttload of routes and he was in there. And then the next week they went run heavy and he ran the same amount of routes as Dante Pettis. So, you know, if you look at the numbers, it, it, it kind of makes sense. But it's also Chase Claypool. He shouldn't be running the same amount of routes as Dante Pettis, uh, you know, when he's a big body guy who looks like a, a cyborg. Same thing as Nikhil Harry. So if you're going to run the football, why not have your cyborg lineup out there, these big guys and see what they've got? Because all of those guys who aren't playing are potentially actually guys who are going to be here in the future, which we don't have a lot of on this roster. So it's a little short-sighted to me to, you know, sit him and keep sitting him and, and, and you know, go with whatever. Did St. Brown play because of, you know, 
it's a good story, whatever. I don't know because he's been there. I, I, I don't get the, the reasoning behind it when you've got other guys who legitimately could be a part of this team in the future. Like you said, Kieran, with Chase Claypool, you'd love to see him start getting some of that chemistry eventually with Justin Fields to go into next year so you actually have a little uh, a base to, to build on. And you want to see that with some of these other guys who might actually be here in the future as well. Yeah, I it's think the it, run blocking, man. That's why yeah. it's they love EQ and Byron Pringle's run blocking. They met a but that that only goes so far. Nikhil Harry's a great I'm, run blocker. I'm they with have you. Been, I'm, have I'm with jail. you. I'm just saying this. That's why. That's why oh. they say why. Yeah, I know why they say why. I don't. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's <laughs> me, at least have me just, the wise. Have me just right? in a coma in the media center today. Yeah, it's it's a little bit. Kind of crazy though, because yes, look, it's good to have receivers that are good at run blocking, but at the same time, you still need them to be receivers. And you need guys that are out there that can get open because you're not good, especially now that Herbert's injured, right? Like you're, we may see a little bit of a step back in terms of the running game, especially if David Montgomery is not fully healthy as well. You're going to need those guys to be able to be out there, to be able to get open and look. I understand why you're not seeing kind of Claypool in more of a prototypical role as like kind of the X receiver out, out wide because you can't really let Justin just sit back there because he's, there's too much pressure on him. So they have to move the pocket a little bit. So I guess that's fine in terms of where some of the limited snaps can come in, but not to the extent that we're seeing at the moment. Like we should see him in their way more even if it is like we said if there's no intention of the ball going to him that diversion for a defense because it creates space for other players and i think that is really important but we've spoken a lot about the offense here josh i'm gonna move it a little bit to the defense right now oh i get the fun topic you, you do you do you did well you did write about it so like i, think I know you, you I know. wrote about taco charlton coming in um, my, guy. my like, honestly, when I saw, when I saw that and somebody asked me about it, I'm like, ah, oh, can't be much worse than the D line right now. So, <laughs> so that that was basically my response on it. But it's been a tough couple of weeks for for the Bears in terms of the defensive effort. The I guess just making plays. Like I think I counted in the two games. It was the Dallas game, and the Miami game. The Bears defense stopped the opposition a total of five times. Now that is just. <laughs> It's not good enough, but I guess there's some sort of expectation there when you lose Robert Quinn. And I think people re realize very quickly when he was traded away, actually the impact he was having on the defensive line, because it seemed like when he went away, it just completely fell apart. Um, obviously losing Roquan Smith, it was a tough, it was a tough decision to make, but I think it was one that you had to make if you knew you were yeah. going to resign him. Um, we saw Jack Sanborn kind of step up and is it time now that we have to focus on kind of individual performances on defense? Cause we know as a unit, they're not going to be a strong outfit for the rest of the season, but you need to mm -hmm. figure out who can be part of this defense going forward and who is expendable moving forward. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think the one thing that Matt Eberflus said today that stood out to me was he was talking about how bad the defense is played. And he said, you know, the only good thing about it is, Guys like Jaquan Brisker, Kyler Gordon, Dominic Robinson, Jack Sanborn, these guys are all getting a ton of reps, a ton of experience, and they're all they're all improving. We've talked about Dominic Robinson a lot. I mean, I think 
the Bears front seven is probably going to have to be completely overhauled this offseason because it's just a complete train wreck. But Dominic Robinson is, uh, I mean, he's, he's been really impressive for a guy that was playing wide receiver two years ago. I think he's made tremendous leaps now. Can he be more than a, the third down pass rusher? They don't know, but this is what this is for, right? They get to find out. Um, I think Kyler Gordon's been tremendous. Uh, Jaquan Brisker has been really good. Um, so, yeah, I, I would just focus on are the young, are the guys that are going to be here making the right steps? How are they playing? And then, you know, I think all three of us agree Eddie Jackson's going to be a long-term piece because of the leadership, because of the bounce back. And then, you know, Jalen Johnson, when he's healthy, he's good. He had a tough week, but I'm, I'm still in, in Jalen Johnson's corner. So, yeah, I would just focus on the rookies, focus on the young guys, and then just maybe just – cover your eyes with the front seven unless it's Dominic Robinson because that there's just no pressure. I mean, they have three sacks in the last three games and it's two from Sanborn and one from Brisker. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's rough viewing, especially for, yeah. uh, it kind of goes to what we were saying earlier, where there's a lot of Bears fans that don't know how to act when, when it comes to Justin Fields and their quarterback yeah. being really successful. And there's a lot of other fans that don't know how to act when the defense is playing really, really poorly. <laughs> and because we're not used to that. We're used to the offense can't do anything and we stay in games because of the defense. And look, yep. it's it's an interesting situation as we move forward. And Alex, one of the names that Josh mentioned was Eddie Jackson. We did kind of a a preview to the season this year. We spoke kind of at nauseum about Eddie Jackson and what we wanted to see from him. And one thing I know that you guys mentioned on kind of your recent episode of your podcast was he was a guy, he's a veteran, and he wants to come in and improve. He noticed some of his deficiencies where he wasn't able to, he wasn't the greatest tackler. So it was something that he went out of his comfort zone to go to the coaches and basically say, how can I improve on this? How impressive is that for you when you see there's a bunch of young players that have come in around him and he's the one coming in asking, well, I need to improve this because, again, it helps the entire unit. I think what's impressive is how quickly he embraced the new program, the new philosophy, the new coaching staff overall as a whole. You know, I, I, I would imagine every single NFL player, you know, goes in with goals and goes in with things that they want to improve on and goes in with things that they want to work on, right? That, that's not really that unique. All players know what they're deficient in and know what they want to improve upon. Um, what is unique is him you know, just, just pouring himself right into this because we've heard from lots of guys that, you know, they were kind of skeptical of the hit stuff and it took them a month or two to really get on board. You know, and there, there weren't, a, they weren't all early adopters. He was, you know, and, and I think that was very important to have a, a playmaker, a guy who was really respected in that locker room do that because then the other guys look around and they say, Whoa, Eddie Jackson's on board. I need to be on board. You know, that, that's something that DeAndre Houston Carson told me. He was like, that that was big. You know, when, when Eddie Jackson w did get on board early, you notice the young guys get in line. Uh, Jaquan Brisker saying, you know, when he talks, everybody listens. So that that to me, that to me was impressive. I think we all, well, not not we all. I expected, um, I expected him to have a bit of a resurgence playing free safety, right? That was up to debate. Can the old Eddie Jackson return? I think him playing free safety, free safety has really helped him do that. He's playing to his strengths. Um, and then I will say what is impressive is that he was able to execute on those goals of becoming a better tackler. You know, 
players have all sorts of goals. Players want to improve on all sorts of things. It's a lot easier said than done. Uh, he has gotten noticeably better as a tackler. Uh, this is something we debated. Obviously, you listened to the last episode. Something we debated was now that Roquan Smith is is out of town, who is the best tackler on the team? I think Eddie Jackson at least deserves a nomination. Jaquan Brisker is a really good tackler. You know, Justin Jones is really good, too, when he's in the backfield. Um, but th- to think that we're talking about Eddie Jackson as one of the best tacklers on the team is kind of crazy. Crazy. You know, <laughs> thinking about the last couple of years. I know it, it really is. And look, it's good to see, especially when you do have a new coaching staff, you need that veteran buy-in because if you get closer to the start of the season and there's still players that aren't completely bought into a new system, that's when you start seeing struggles. And that's where you start seeing head coaches that in year one are already on the hot seat. You can tell that the players are kind of buying into what Eberflus is selling, which can be difficult when you're losing games, but, that kind of shows, I guess, the leadership that's in the locker room right now and how important that is, both on offense and on defense. But look, we're coming up to another another game week. It's an interesting one this week, though. And I've kind of uh, I've kind of named this one the uh, Chicago <laughs> Bears against the Atlanta Bears because there's so many <laughs> former Bears on the Atlanta Falcons. Look, can. This is an interesting matchup because really when you watch the Falcons play one week, they look great. And then another week, you're like, that could be one of the worst teams in the league. But it so is kind of the NFL right now. We have maybe like four or five very good teams and then a bunch of average teams. We're going to see a bunch of guys that used to be on this team. Obviously, our, our good old friend Ryan Pace is over in Atlanta as well. What are some of your expectations and what do you want to see from this game? Is it simply that you want to see kind of the same sort of output from, from the offense, but just to finish a little bit more? Or is there something else you're going to look for in this game? No, you said it. You hit it directly on the head. I Initially, I, I was looking at this game as an L, to be honest with you. But I don't feel like Atlanta should be able to – and I know the Bears' defense is terrible. Let me lead with that. <laughs> <laughs> let me firstly let me put that all the way you out there. The defense right? for a second there. The defense, but it's I'm, I'm more looking at Arthur Smith and kind of how they hamstring Marcus Mariota. I mean, listen, I for for this is for me as far as someone who accidentally drafted Cal Pitts. Um, <laughs> it, it's like that, and also my my brother who is a graduate of USC and Drake London. Like you Bring have these out. studs. That you underutilize, like th- look, you know what's worse than what the Bears are doing with Chase Claypool? Imagine being a Falcons fan and you have Pitts and and, and Lund- Drake London on your team, and they're not getting anything when healthy. Like that's frustrating. But when you look at the run game and 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 the fact that that's the Bears' kryptonite on defense primarily, it should scare you. But when I'm just thinking about this game, one of the things that's really been hurting the Bears. It's one definitely, and this was an EFL team when you're getting ran on, getting your ass kicked on play action, but also having accurate quarterbacks that get hot and just switch cheese you to death. Atlanta doesn't have that. So even though Atlanta may be able to run on the Bears, it's those 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 huge chunk plays. It's not even the chunk plays, it's the consistency through the air where we see teams just go down the field on the Bears that I don't know if Atlanta can do that. So I'll say this, and I'll say this even more than Detroit, which is crazy. They need to win. 
<laughs> right? Like they, they need to like they need to like they need to win again. Now, if they lose, am I gonna smash my monitor or anything like that? No, because we do have Justin Fields, but this is a game that should be easy for you to defeat because look, Jared Goff, oh my goodness, I'm saying Jared Goff is better than Marcus Mariota. All right, like I know that's wild. Listen, let me make sure the London that the the, the thunder doesn't strike me down right now. But they have they had a they have a better quarterback, and they use the weapons that they have on offense primarily against the Bears. So I'm looking at the Bears to to basically put up another 30 points. Now it may be a little bit harder without Khalil Herbert, but they still have David Montgomery, and more importantly, they have Justin Fields. Um, so that's what I'm looking. I'm looking for Clay, Chase Claypool to be more involved in the passing game. And I think we've talked about it on here. Siri, and you've mentioned it. It's not just him being involved. It's the distraction that he provides, right? It's the fact that Darnell Mooney, at this point in his career, he's not the guy that's going to beat being bracketed. You know where it's just, he's not Justin Jefferson, and this is there's only one Justin Jefferson. So let me first, it's not a knock on down there, Mooney, but he's not a guy that oh you have two defenders on me, I'm gonna catch it. The ball is thrown way over here. I'm gonna catch it, pull it, snatch it. He's he's not that guy. And when you have a threat where teams, let alone the threat that people may feel is more dangerous, and teams have to shift their coverage over to him, it lets him get loose. Like there's so many different way, things that can help you benefit you from having Chase Claypool in, let alone as we were talking about with Khalil Herbert being out the run game, having another threat. So you don't want to have that. And of course, let's say they have eight men in the box and some teams don't necessarily want to use a spy, but that's, that's what I'm looking for, man. I'm looking for a W. So when we go into the studio Sunday night, um, Josh will not be as upset as sometimes he is upset <laughs> with some of the things he has to sit through while coming here to Chicago. But hey, I'll be the, I'll be the first to say if Marcus Mariota dices him up, I will not be unhappy. <laughs> I'll be the first to say. Go Ducks! Go Ducks! <laughs> oh my God, Adam. I guess one of the things when we talk about kind of the weapons, the improving in terms of the offense. I think it's true. We want to continue seeing that. We want to see them score another 30 points a game. But it is also important that I think if the defense is able to get stops, that that's when the offense needs to capitalize. There's been times when, yes, the offense has been able to move the ball. They've been able to score. We've seen like this kind of mini emergence of Cole Komet over the last couple of weeks as well. But I think a lot of it is, and we always talk about this, complementary football. When you have the opportunity to score when the defense does get off the field, you need to do it. And the one thing I'll be looking out for over the next couple of weeks, even if it's not this particular game, is when you, like, for example, when you're up by 14 to, to Detroit, don't just piss that away. Like, hammer them down. Keep trying to score. And it's something that I don't know if it's on the coaching or if it's, kind of the mentality of it but even if you're winning by 7 10 14 don't stop like you've nothing to lose just just keep going for it keep getting the offense kind of moving forward is is there something that you want to see from especially the offense because that's kind of i guess the main thing people are focusing on moving forward to see how this can develop is there something that you want to see um kind of moving forward and especially with this Atlanta game yeah, I mean, the the big thing is that just like that Detroit game, kind of as uh, Ken was saying, is it, this is a game you should win. There aren't many on the schedule, but this is a game that they should win. So to to see them go in and be a dynamic offense again, and I think that's 
kind of, you know, alluding to matching up with the Atlanta offense, the one that got away, Patterson at running back, you know, he's probably going to have a big day. But beyond that, they have the weapons. It's just the messenger to get to get the ball to those weapons is very hit or miss. And he doesn't scare you on paper. Unfortunately, neither does the Bears defense. So you worry about some of those matchups. Um, but, you know, that's that's an ifs and buts kind of thing. And you look at it and it's like, man, the Bears should do really well against this Falcons defense. So that's where you see you want to start seeing, OK, is Vela's going to be active? Is Claypool going to be active? Because there's not a lot of challenges coming from that defense. So get these guys in there and let this offense try to work in a game they should win against a similar level of talent and see what you've got. And if you get the lead, like you said, don't let up. When's the last time this offense has had gas, period? Don't let your foot off the gas if you, if you find it. You know, if they start moving the ball down the field. Keep going. Don't shell up. Don't get conservative. Respect for the game. Respect for the opponents, whatever. If you can put up a crooked number, do it because that's what the offense needs. Much like the whole theory of, you know, these guys have to perform and win to learn how to win. You know, if this offense keeps doing well, even in the face of losses, in the face of whatever, and they do get those wins occasionally, it's going to juice them up. But the key is that the offense has to keep that juice and can't really slow down. So, you know, I, I expect them to win. But the, the thing I want to see is I, I want to see them keep going. I don't want to see, you know, week to week now where it's like, all right, we can pass the ball a little bit, but we're going to not, you know, take that next step. And we talked about it when they got Claypool. Part of the reasoning that I saw behind that move was the offense started to take that next step. With, with that wide receiver room, that offense was not going to take the next step after that without adding someone like a Claypool because it's very hard to take that next step with, you know, Darnell Mooney and Darnell Mooney alone. So, you know, I, I want to see that growth continually. And who knows what it's going to be? Who knows what their game plan is going to be? You know, maybe David Montgomery gets a billion carries because they can't stop him. And, and you never know. And that's the thing that they've said week to week. We don't care about the stats. We're going to go with what's working. But I want to see them, you know, continue to show that growth and not fall into that pattern of this is what's working. So this is what we are, because right now they need to figure out what's working and then figure out how to compound that and get better each week. Yeah. The one thing that I hope for after this game is that one of the main talking points is not about some refereeing decisions. <laughs> the last two weeks of like the referees uh, hate the bears. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just been, it's just been crazy. But look, Josh, I guess the, the same question um, to yourself is what, what do you want to see from, from this team? And, against Atlanta you you come out after the game so we're not smashing our TVs or not smashing anything <laughs> up what is the one thing you want to see from this team to prove that they are continuing on this development path moving forward yeah I mean for me I think this is a really really good opportunity for the Bears to get the straight drop back passing game going Atlanta's pass defense is absolute dog water especially if AJ Terrell doesn't play he's he's questionable if they don't have him I mean they can't they can't cover anyone so the bears i mean in straight passing situations they're still pretty easy to defend because when the run element isn't there uh teams just kind of pin their ears back and and whoop braxton jones like he stole something and then come after justin fields uh but the falcon the falcons pass rush is also very bad right so um i think this is a good opportunity for guys like chase claypool um you know i don't know maybe Nikhil Harry is active but just get get the straight passing game going um, and, and kind of figure that aspect out because without Khalil Herbert, I mean, are they going to want to give Dave Montgomery 30 carries? That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, so that, and then just to the Marcus Mariota slander, you invite me on the show and then people just throw barbs at Marcus Mariota, which is just hurtful. <laughs> but I will say, I will say to, 
he might not be the most consistent quarterback, but what it does remind me of is how Daniel Jones gave the Bears fits with that bootleg action. So yeah. while he might not be chucking it around, I think it's some somewhere for the Bears defense to work on discipline and <laughs> gap integrity. You no, know Marcus comes- Mariota isn't Daniel Jones to, of this season, sir. I'll, Yo, I'll, I mean, I'll drift back. There's something to that eye discipline, though. The eye discipline yeah. has been very nice. not good. Very bad. No. <laughs> very bad. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I also got to defend Braxton I, I, Jones. Braxton Jones oh, just caught a stray. I I watched the first two drives. Admittedly, he did watched, not he watch watches, the entire he game. Two drives. I watched two drives. Braxton Jones in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> in between practice, pre-writing <laughs> my injury report, and then waiting for the locker room to open. I had time for two drives to watch. Braxton Jones looks really good for those two drives. He's Trent Williams. There you go. He's not Trent Williams, right. but I didn't right. think he was that bad for two drives. <laughs> I've yet to watch the rest of the drives. Full disclosure, I've yet to watch the rest of the drives. You literally said, wait, Josh, what did he say to last that Braxton Jones becoming a great or uh, what did he say? Starting. I said starting left tackle. It was not starting. That's another one. That's another one. I checked the tape this morning on my way to Hallis Hall because I caught a stray (laughs) for saying he's a franchise. I said starting left tackle. And uh, you didn't catch that either. <laughs> uh, that, that was wrong too. That's all right. Uh. <laughs> it's no, it's like I don't think you can really have a lot of confidence in many of the offensive line. The only person I think you can really feel good about is Tevin Jenkins moving forward. Yeah. Everybody else, you like they're probably replaceable and they probably will try and replace. Um Cody Whitehair maybe gets away with it, but I'm still not convinced that they may want him long term and um, because again you see i guess you have a new gm assistant gm they both play the position they probably want their own guys there and um, so it's gonna be interesting to see how that one goes but the one thing that kind of alarm bells went off when you were talking josh and i'm gonna bring this to you alex before we wrap up the show when he mentions the passing defense and it not being great for atlanta how many touchdowns does that mean Cole Komet is getting this week? Because those are, those are, he also like he has five touchdowns in the year, and it seemed like at the start of the year he could not get close to the end zone. And now I think that ranks number two overall um, in terms. So like it is crazy to see the emergence of Cole Komet. Is it just that the offense is just catering to some of the the skill sets of both Justin, but it's also providing call a little bit more space to to operate in this offense well justin talked about it a little bit he thinks you know it, it's it's growth on cole Komet's part you know he was giving the credit to cole Komet. he said listen he's always been physically there and now he is he's getting like the offense down better right as yeah. the entire offense learns luke gets his offense cole Komet is now like humming there so he he gave the credit to Cole Komet. Um, I also have to give the credit to his ability as an inline blocker. You know, he's he started out this year as a great run blocker. Um, and and the Bears now are able to build on that foundation because people have to respect when he's selling run blocking that it is a run play. And then when he disengages and, and gets open, he is able to sneak and get open. Uh, he did run some good routes. I know there were some defensive miscues uh, that allowed him to get open. And man, if Jeff Akuda doesn't run into him, that also looked like it was going to be a huge yeah. gain. So I, I think, you know, a lot of the credit 
goes to Cole Komet for just coming along, getting more comfortable, uh, being a great blocker, and then also, you know, doing well to execute, doing well to execute when it counts. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's it's been a pleasure having having you guys on the show. I like it's always good to be able to talk to you guys, Josh. It's great to to finally meet you for, for the yeah, first this time. Is, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, it, it, it it's a lot of fun. Ken, it's been great to have you on, even though I did slag you a little bit at the start, but that's the way we do it here in Ireland. Hey, we bust him. We're, bu- <laughs> yeah. we're supposed to bust him, dog. If it's he, not does, fun, he, does, not- he deserves it. Don't let up. To, to You're up. here yeah. now, and that's what matters. Thank you, fair, Adam. Usually it means if we don't slag you, we don't like you, so that's, that's exactly. a good sign. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Real quick, and this is for everyone that's watching it and uh, everyone that's even here. If you want a, a breakdown of the Falcons from the Falcons' side, we recorded <laughs> a, a really funny episode with a really enlightened gentleman from the Atlanta Journal, Journal Constitution, uh, D. Orlando Ledbetter. Uh, it comes out Friday. I would say for all of you just to check it out, it goes Hilarious. over former Bears uh-huh. down there. You get the Cordero information you want. We get Justin's stuff. We all had a great time. So just check that out just for a breakdown of the upcoming game this Sunday. One of the yeah. first pods, maybe the only pod, where all three of us are legitimately like in stitches laughing at the same time <laughs> from D. Orlando. He dropped yeah. felonious yeah. on us when talking about the – the <laughs> Falcons run defense, felonious, and it was incredible. Wow, <laughs> that will be that's definitely a first. I don't think I've ever heard that, and I've listened to a lot of podcast episodes and all different topics, and I don't think I've ever heard anybody drop that on to talk about a run defense. So, fair play, fair play to him. I, I guess before um, we wrap up the show, uh, I know you, you said that you have that episode coming up, but do you guys have anything else? Come up with, do you have any stories or anything that you guys want to plug out there? Uh, yeah, I oh, mean, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, no, not really. No, um, <laughs> I mean, you already did a good job plugging, plugging the story about winning versus, versus draft capital. Um, and then today's big thing was just answering all the wide receiver questions everyone has. We didn't get a ton of answers, but we're starting to dig through some stuff. Um, so check that out. Um, Alex has got some, some good stuff as well. Um, Alex, you can plug away. Just read all our stuff on NBCSportsChicago.com. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to us yeah. on the Under Center podcast. Kenneth Davis is always on the rush. Watch him on the rush. Follow me on Twitter, Alex Shapiro NBCS. I'll, yes. I'll plug my own Twitter. I'll let you guys plug your own your other Twitters. Yeah, I would. Don't don't follow it. Don't, oh, don't, wait, can I, I try it for once? Can I try it for once? Already screwed it up. I said shock and awe. Ah, see, I already screwed it up. Kenneth, I don't know how you do it. Shrock underscore and underscore awe. Don't act like he came off the boat and knew how to do it. How dare you? How dare you? You know what needs to happen? Once he gets it, you need to change it. Facts. No, man, I've had that forever. That's his baby. You know, when I came up with that. (laughs) Yeah, right. When I came up with that when I was 17. (laughs) I I could tell you, this is it. I got it. This is it. It's the one. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Look, guys, I appreciate you all joining the show. It's it's been a lot of fun. Anybody listening to this back, if if you're listening to audio, make sure you give us a five star review over on Apple Pods. If you're listening to this on YouTube, like the video, subscribe. If you're not, make sure you go and listen to. The guys over on the under center podcast because they do a great job as well like like we said there's only two podcasts that go out drinking in chicago so like <laughs> these are the two that you have to go for so look it's been a lot of fun and look, until next time all we can say is bear down <laughs>